There he is. Hey. The Psy Guy himself. Is my mic over there? Oh, yeah, baby. Okay, great. Okay, because it's not here. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I think, honestly, you work a bit better without a mic because uh, fewer objects uh, that you can tap compulsively. <laughs> I got to get a bag of chips in here. Get, get <laughs> Somebody is hungry. <laughs> oh, Lord. You actually, it sounds really good, the audio quality on my end anyway. Great, excellent. The audio uh, quality, yeah. Something, something. When we, when, when the pandemic happened, we switched over to remote recording. Yeah, uh, we got in a groove, a great groove. I think our listeners will agree with that. And okay, then, okay, we uh, are recording because I was like, <laughs> you're saying this in a really weird way, like <laughs> for us to just be talking about this. Oh, we're okay, never just talking. So, okay. huh? have you have you heard of the gray zone? We're not. We're never. <laughs> Just talking anymore, Simon. Uh, anyway, we got into a great groove. It was recording well that way. But now that we, when we record together live, whatever MIDI, whatever the hell that means, audio settings I have set up, it's just it's not taken to your mic like it used to. Yeah, that's interesting. I I mean, I guess we'll never know why, but it's it's a truly perplexing. I would situation. I would suggest that listeners maybe contact us if they have a solution to our audio woes. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, tell us what's wrong. <laughs> Fix me. Uh, all right. Should we welcome people back? Uh, it's about that time. All right. Wait, okay. are you bringing the energy today? Oh yeah, I actually am. I slept uh, close to 12 hours today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm barely alive, so of course. <laughs> Folks, you better welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I am your host, Flavor, with my co-host, Simon. I'm Nets Nation, get your Eric Adams campaign contributions ready. <laughs> That's a deep tangential cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Folks will see where I'm going with that. I can't. Um, I can't wait for folks to find out. Uh, I'll just <laughs> say, Simon, we are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Nets Nation and Simon. Good guy that he is has taken over for another week hosting responsibilities. He set the agenda. Did you see my amendment to the agenda in the email? Yes, yes. Okay. You have he, two cues. I, I have four, four cues, cues. Four cues, two of which are related to, to agenda items, which you know, it's 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 good for people to know this that we work these things out in advance. This can't this isn't spontaneous. Nothing about this is spontaneous. This takes a team of around the clock <laughs> <laughs> podcast geniuses to figure out how to put together a show like this. Well, a show that I imagine will run well over one hour. But Oh my god, yes. This is an enormous agenda. Oh, and you know what I forgot to say? Uh, folks, sorry, I sorry, to, to I forgot folks this or to one. me, to, to both of you, you've different <laughs> groups. Uh, <laughs> um, I should, what I should have said, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, welcome back to another episode of Baby Nets Time. 
Yes. Uh, because I, I just want to congratulate our new father. Two weeks ago, he was not yet a father. And then we missed last week um, because his wife, uh, your, your wife had a, uh, a child. So congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, this um, as a one week birthday present to myself, <laughs> uh, we're going to record a pod. Yeah, I have not right. gotten 12 hours of sleep, if you could believe that. <laughs> I have, you look great. I have you... gotten to get up every two to three hours to feed a child, but I have not slept for 12 straight hours. Right. Um, totally. I mean, yeah, you're, you're sounding great. You're looking great. I appreciate you understanding the the pretty uh, stingy, maybe next time, uh, family leave policy. <laughs> uh, we gave you a week. Right. Um and you're on light duty here. I've, I, I come up with the agenda. <laughs> so that's the equivalent of when like a pregnant woman can't carry anything over 40 pounds. I'll carry the 40 pound um, boxes right. here. Right, right, right. Uh, well, you're doing a great job of, of the you. heavy lifting. Uh, <laughs> and I imagine, Simon, we have a pretty action packed agenda. Yes, that's right. It is a lot of points on here. As well uh, as if people ever come to this show looking for a bit of a screwball final <laughs> segment, yeah, we may yeah. have screwball of all screwballs today. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say two names and leave it at that. We won't get into details of what we're going to do, but the two names are Dak Shepard and Matthew Lillard. Yes. Think about that. Pause if you need to and conjure up some of your favorite Dax and Matthew memories together. Uh, we will be delving into many, many of ours at some point in this Nets podcast. And of course, as we always do, Simon, and I think I think we're kind of known for this at this point. We always tie it back to the Nets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you kick us off, buddy? Okay, folks, let's start with the thing that everyone's talking about. Cam Thomas was 7 for 14 uh, in his first preseason game with the Nets. No, uh, folks, that is exciting. We are going to get to that. But everyone who's anyone is talking about Kyrie. What's going on with Kyrie? Uh, Is he going to play? Is he going to get traded? Do people still like him, etc.? Did Here's God how, did God actually administer a vaccine to him? Yes or yeah, no? According to exactly. his Twitter, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, put it past God. And his, yeah. is are, was he talking about his own followers or God's followers? Um, I think it's. I don't know. Okay. I don't okay. know. Well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I'm sorry to step on the Kyrie introduction here. Yeah, I think it. I think he means his people. Okay. Um, okay. Anyway, so Kyrie Irving, two weeks ago, we recorded the podcast. That very day in the evening, a very disturbing article from Matt Sullivan drops in Rolling Stone, uh, quoting Kyrie's aunt, who basically says, you know, maybe he'll play every third game or something because he's not getting a vaccine. <laughs> so we had talked about he wasn't vaccinated. I think at the time we were thinking, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's pretty strong-willed, but, you know, eventually something will work out. And I'm not sure we really understood the, the gravity of of the of not getting it here in New York City, like the, the potential to miss uh, at least 43 games. Um, 
And so that story drops. Then Media Day happens. He's conspicuously absent. He does a Zoom call where he hasn't, unlike his other teammates who were required to wear their uh, basketball uniforms despite the fact that they're not playing a game of basketball in what I always feel is a very weird dynamic where they're sort of like in like their Halloween costumes, it sort of feels like. Anyway, he's not in that. He is in a comfortable-looking hoodie. He's doing a Zoom. Uh, we we also... didn't make it to media day this this year, it should be said. No, we didn't. We're still struggling we, for credentials on that front. Yeah, we had many offers, but we, we turned them down. Uh, so so he's not there. He does his Zoom thing. He, he deflects all questions about his vaccine, says, please respect my privacy. That's like exclusive, pretty much exclusive what he says. Um, so that was a debacle. Uh, then... Um, you know, some weeks passed it, you know, more every, every day, Steve Nash and other teammates are asked what's the deal with Kyrie. They basically say nothing's changed and they don't know what's going to happen. Then a Woj story drops, uh, that basically says, um, you know, the Nets have made no final decisions on what they're going to do about Kyrie, whether they're going to let him be a part-time player, whether they're going to trade him, whether they're just going to have him sit out. And, you know, that there's a there's a paragraph that makes clear that the Nets are at least asserting publicly that they feel like they have enough without him to contend for a championship. Um, and so that sort of ratchets up because before that, you know, they're just saying, you know, we're being really paid, you know, we're whatever Kyrie, we support him, blah, blah, blah. But then the Woj story drops. Clearly there's some tension. Um, then Kyrie, this is just yesterday. Kyrie apparently is now going to be allowed to practice in New York city because HHS, HSS training facility is considered an office building. Um, as Matt Sullivan says, this is despite the fact that at least one floor of that uh, office building is open to the public. Uh, and so um, anyway, yes, he, he apparently seems like he'll be able to practice. Um, and then that takes us to this tweet that William very uh, flagged for us here, where this is just today, eight hours ago. He tweets, I am protected by God. And so are my people. We stand together. Now, classic cryptic Tyree tweet, but with all that's going on, one does have to kind of assume this is about not getting the vaccine and still being protected <laughs> by God. Maybe it's not. Right. I couldn't swear to it. But right. I, I only have a master's in English, so cannot parse the metaphors that no doubt <laughs> run throughout this. Uh, tweet, but it it is another classic case yeah. of, uh, well, Kyrie Irving, a man who, at this point, I'd kind of like to never have to talk about again. So I hope some resolution comes. <laughs> resolution uh, being he's traded or he retires. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. So then the final thing is practice in the park happened today, just hours ago. Kyrie was there, um, wore a mask during much of it, was the only Nets player wearing a mask, but did attend, which I think is like, even, you know, Nets Twitter was like a buzz, like, is he actually going to show up? Obviously, he's allowed to, but, you know, with all of this, there's like a combination of, 
I'll, and I'll kick it to you after this. But with all of this, there's a combination of like, yes, he's unvaccinated. Yes, there are regulations that keep him from from playing and until recently practicing in New York. But how much of this does he want? How much does he want to play? Um, and I think that's where the sort of trepidation about is he going to be at practice in the park, et cetera, et cetera, is coming from. Because there's just like a sense that he doesn't really give a shit. And then after my lengthy uh, explanation there, I'll kick it over to you, William. What are your what are your thoughts? Well, just a lot of questions uh, more than more than fully fledged thoughts. Uh, I'd say one big question you say, like, how much does he want to play? You know, that's certainly a part of it. You can you can question his his uh, need to continue to to play at this high NBA level. But also there's the question of how much does he need? Thirty three million dollars, because right. that's incentive enough for other guys we've seen in a similar situation, like an Andrew Wiggins right. to say, OK, you know what? Uh, I will submit to the tyranny of uh <laughs> those willing to submit to a fairly routine um, vaccination and uh, because otherwise I'm going to lose tens of millions of dollars. Right. (laughs) But Kyrie, because he is uh, a super duper duper star and has, you know, tens of millions of dollars in endorsements and things like that may not need $33 million. I mean, it seems unfathomable to, to a normie like, like us, uh, like what, why, how you could not care about losing $33 million, but maybe it doesn't matter to him. That seems strong, like a stronger incentive though, to me, than, uh, like his passion for the game. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's also just, it's unclear the, that whether he will actually forfeit that money. I know Michelle Roberts of the Players Union has said like that that has not been agreed to that that the one ninety sixth or whatever it is of, of your paycheck gets deducted, um, and plus whether the Nets will like actually follow through with that. Uh, I, um, I certainly hope that they do, uh, if that's the case. And I basically never want to see like the worker penalized. <laughs> um, but this isn't like a a strike with a noble cause, you know. This isn't like people aren't going to look back and be like, you know, this is a, a Rosa Parks moment. This right. is this is someone sitting at a lunch counter. This is just a completely narcissistic prick deciding that <laughs> <laughs> that he and his quote unquote followers should, through complete obstinance and ignorance, uh, perpetuate a global pandemic. Like, obviously, they're not single-handedly perpetuating this thing, but they are just prolonging it, aggravating it, and making things significantly worse. And if it were this personal choice, as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar says in the uh, Jacobin article, which I think is great and people should should look at um, regarding this issue, there is nothing personal about Kyrie Irving's choice, and he admonishes Draymond Green and, and, uh, and LeBron James for for uh, sort of um, claiming that this is a purely personal choice. Uh, Kareem rightly points out that there are many, many, many people, particularly in the black community, who follow and look up to and listen to Kyrie Irving. So this has ramifications far beyond him. And when he posts quotes, or sorry, tweets about 
how he or God and their followers are protected, then you know he's aware that it's beyond a personal thing. He's literally calling to other human beings to follow in his footsteps of anti-vaccination, which uh, in a time of, of uh, pandemic is a deeply, profoundly, and disgustingly antisocial act. Yeah, yeah. I, and no, I, one, no one's going to look back at this and be like, oh, wow, it just took a few brave people to stand up, you know, to, to the vaccine that ultimately will be the reason we hopefully as a species can move on from this thing at some point. Right. And so uh, what's your sense of how, how damaging this, this will be? Like wh- however it works out, what, you know, how do you see? How do you see this? I guess it's hard to talk about. Yeah, how 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 damaging it will be without talking about how it will play out. So why don't we why don't we do that first? Why don't we say how how do you think this will play out, and then how do you hope it it plays out? Yeah, I both? mean, I I yeah, it's also difficult to talk about like without saying on what level we're talking about it. You know, like are we talking about it from like a a basketball on the court? perspective right now uh yes yeah i mean i think that without kyrie irving and i've long uh felt this that without kyrie irving i think the team since the acquisition of james harden will be fine we have a a a wildly deep bench as we cataloged in detail in our last episode although bye bye um Dumboyo. That was rough to see him go, but uh, he's gone. (laughs) But we have, you know, one through 15 on this team. We are super deep. It obviously hurts and it makes uh, the, the clear pathway to like total domination of the league more opaque, but uh, more difficult. But I, I'm confident that this team is, probably still the favorite without Kyrie Irving from a basketball perspective. Don't, what do you think? Um, I think that I, I think that if you just, if you just remove Kyrie and then you, you cross your fingers, hope for health that both of your stars are healthy in the playoffs, which losing Kyrie does hurt your, your margin for, for that. Um, because you'll need both of those players at that point. They they have to be healthy. Yeah. Uh, we saw what happened when when uh, James Harden was not healthy. Um, right. But that's a caveat that every team, every contingent, yeah. you know, the Lakers, the but, Nuggets, the Clippers. No, to- totally. But but if you have Kyrie, like I think we would have beaten the Bucks if Kyrie had not gone down. Sure. Um, yeah. We beat them like a drum in Game Two. We beat them in Game One. Um, almost beat them in game three. So, um, so, but without him, like, you know, yeah. So, so if you, if you erase him, that means you, you need your two stars. Um, and then, um, but I, I think that if you just erased him and like you wiped people like Kevin Durant's memory of like the existence of Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. you then like, yes, I, I agree. I think it would, it would be okay. It'd be more challenging. You know, we probably wouldn't do as well in the regular season because we'd be resting those two guys quite a bit and you wouldn't have like a third star playing. Um, but I think it'd be fine. I think that because of how close they are, I sent, um, William a tweet today and I urge others to, to look at it, but it's a tweet 
of Kyrie and and Kevin Durant basically jumping into each other's arms. I don't know how else to describe it. There, there's no basketball in sight. They're just leaping into the air with huge smiles on their face, like coming together. Like I, visually, it is quite clear to me that they are still quite close. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. So, uh, okay. So and, then I think we should like, okay, from a basketball perspective, you're, I think we're in agreement. There's less margin for error, but they're still a dominant team, arguably still the most talented team in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the really interesting part as you're getting at right now is the, is the, is the fallout of this. What happens to uh, KD psychologically to lose his friend that he's um, embracing so euphorically at practice in the park. <laughs> um, what happens to the net salary cap? Like, what does Joe Sy think about having a thirty-three million dollar cipher on his team? You know, and and a a, a cipher not um, because Kevin Durant's coming back from an ACL tear or whatever or an Achilles tear, but a cipher because someone just obdurately will not get a vaccine, which Joe Sy and, you know, 98% of the league all are on board with. And Joe Sy is an active, uh, you know, uh, proponent of getting the vaccine. Like how, how cool is he with that? What happens in terms of a trade. He can play in other markets other than the Knicks and Golden State. Would any team be confident that Kyrie Irving is going to play on their team if he leaves? Or is the puppet master, whatever that guy's name is, <laughs> Nick, we, Wright. Nick Wright, the guy who Kyrie mocked as a puppet, was he actually prescient in reporting that Kyrie is threatening to retire if he gets traded because he because they knew before this all happened that he was not going to get vaccinated and this would be the repercussions of it so they were probably actually talking with other teams about potential trades yeah and 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 that uh nick wright uh rumor has escalated to much more credible the mark steins tim bontamps had and bobby marks had an article that also mentioned that so that that is pretty fully legit I mean, it, it would be uh, Sean Marks should be fired right now if he has not <laughs> tested the waters on what a Kyrie trade could be like. Right. Yeah. Like it would yeah. be it is it is he is literal. That's his literal job right now is to find a way to potentially move a thirty three million dollar component of your team who is refu- essentially refusing to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is not a martyr uh, for this. You know, it is not some evil fucking cabal of people who are trying to kick him out of the league. It is a extremely selfish decision that he has that he has made. Yeah. No, I I I I agree. Um, I I think that uh, and, and I'm curious what you think about um why this leak to Woj? Because as we all know, the Nets are very tight, tight-lipped group, and this Woj story is just clearly coming right from the the Nets, um, and and is worded in a very Wojy way, like it's whatever words they wanted him to print, he printed in exactly the way they he did. So, 
I'm I'm curious why you think they did that because all of the things that they say that they're frustrated with him, they're not sure if they're going to let him play as a part time player, um, are all things that totally make sense that they're feeling and totally make sense as things that they would tell Kyrie. Yeah. Um, but weird to me that they are making it public. Right. And so that to me is maybe the scariest part of this because as you say, they don't leak. There are not leaks in the Nets front office, which is uh, amazing um, in so many respects. So if this got out, to me, that implies that they are at a point of pure desperation that by leaking this information, that could be the thing that pressures him to do it because they realize that they don't have any trade options. Right. Yeah. So the only recourse they have at this point is to try through whatever means necessary to pressure him, we, you know, without like strapping him to a table and giving him the fucking Johnson and Johnson shot, <laughs> um, you know, to to try to pressure him to do it because they're not they can't get the Ben Simmons trade. They can't get. Uh, they probably can't get any team to take him right now because I think probably the 29 other teams in this league, or let's say 27, because two of them, you know, couldn't trade for him anyway because of the vaccine stuff. Uh, 27 other teams are convinced that Nick Wright and others are right when they say he's he'll just retire. Yeah. Or in, you know, and or create another headache of some sort. Right. Um, Not to mention, like, because they, he can't sign the extension right now, which is a whole nother wrinkle, right? Because if you sign the extension, you can't trade him for six months. So they don't right. want to extend him right now. So you would be trading him and you would only have he could he could get out next year. So that's going to be that's going to make other teams nervous to trade for him. Apparently, there is like a sign and trade type of thing where you could get another extra year out of that if he were willing. But uh but nothing about the character of Kyrie Irving suggests he would be willing to do anything um, that anyone else would ask of him. So, yeah, to me, the Woj story is the the scariest bit of all of this because it, it implies to me that they know they can't trade him and they have no option other than to try to implore him through whatever means necessary, including leaking to the Wojmeister, um, that sort of information. Yeah. I, and I just don't know how or why they think that a Woj story would move the needle for him. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't really know why they're doing it. Maybe to like, my only other thinking is that maybe they want to widen and make clear to the rest of the league that they are, open to moving him mm-hmm. but but i just don't know again I, I, everyone in the league knows that they must be open to moving him <laughs> <laughs> i mean how could uh, no one could could think otherwise well i mean they might think that because kevin durant is still very close with him that that they're that he's, weary un- of that that. he's untouchable right yeah and i also yeah i i just don't know how like a kyrie irving who hates the media who has never, I don't think, felt been been successfully pressured by any anything that's been written about him. If anything, it's made him more obstinate. Um, would be, uh, yeah. I, I just don't know. It's, it's just, I mean, yeah. So anyway, um, that's that's another wrinkle in this. 
Um, All right. So so we don't spend the whole hour because I really just this story is uh, Kyrie Irving. He has frustrated us for years. Every couple weeks, usually whatever is actually happening with the Nets gets co-opted by a story of what a you know, some crazy thing that Kyrie's done. Uh, we've we've detailed, and every listener will know, many of these things, like talking about which players should be off the team. or it's, it, There are too many to, to list all of the things he does to co-opt all of the air in the room. So we're just talking about, like, is Kyrie crazy? Is he misunderstood? Is he having a hard time? Should we, uh, you know, be sympathetic to him? Is he a martyr? Is he a saint? Is he a lunatic you know whatever the hell we're talking about it's just it's agonizing to keep doing this over and over and over and this is like this feels to me like the the final the final one you know like this is going to result in a trade or his retirement i don't really see another alternative unless you know they can there's some sort of legal chicanery where he's like a resident of new jersey and that somehow exempts him from new york laws or something i heard that that, that was like one approach the legal team was trying to take his legal team um, yeah. but i just don't i to me this seems mercifully like it could be the last gasp of one of the most frustrating divas in the history of the nba <laughs> so I think I actually have a, a pretty much the opposite view of, of you. I think that this the most likely outcome is not that he gets the shot, but that he plays games on the road, now practices at home and practices on the road. And eventually, perhaps in another administration, um, uh, Matt Sullivan has mentioned to as has tweeted that Eric Adams and Joe Sy are close. Um, as I'm sure any billionaire would be, um, to the next very likely mayor. Um, and that I think that they will come and, and as the pandemic, you know, hopefully fingers crossed starts to, uh, ebb, like positivity numbers are going down. Things are, things are, are, I, I feel like we're very close to like summer New York right now. Um, yeah, that, that, the, that those things happen and then they, they, they create some sort of exception, the Kyrie exception. Maybe it's like, oh, if you are, if if you get tested the day that you're going to Barclays Center, you can you can play, and you have a negative result. You can play or you can attend. Right? They they would they wouldn't do it so obviously. They would say anyone you could play or attend, and then the Bar- Barclays Center could still say they're still within their rights to say we want every fan to be vaccinated who can be. Um, but Kyrie can, can play. Um, I, I see that moving before either a Kyrie trade, a Kyrie retirement or a Kyrie getting the vaccine. What would, um, and I, I find, uh, that, that, uh, position pretty compelling, honestly. Um, even Thanks. though I hope it's one of mine, what, of, <laughs> what, would be your favorite result, and then let's let's please God move off of Kyrie Irving. Okay, I, ha- I have a tangential point after after this. <laughs> okay, wh- what's is, your tangential but, point, but, and then we okay. can say what no, our no. final. Hope Let, is. Let's let's get to the okay. So I would say my my thing would be the best case scenario for me is that we get Ben Simmons. Yeah. Um, 
And that would mean, in my magical scenario, that would mean that Kevin Durant was okay with trading Kyrie. That would obviously mean that Philadelphia was okay with acquiring Kyrie. And, you know, we talked about this, I think, just even last week, and I was like, eh, I'd still probably rather have Kyrie. Um, I no longer think that. I think it would be great to get a player of of good value um, for Kyrie. Yeah, I think I think any Nets fan should be hoping and praying that we can exchange him for literally anything. Um, I'm not sure what would happen in the case of his retirement, uh, whether, you know, we would be able to sign someone else or how much money that would allow us to use to try to get someone. But, uh, that would be a unique thing, but I think the best, obviously, would be the trade. Um, and by far, the worst is this insane thing where he would just play home games. It'd be road very games, yeah. sorry, road games. That would be extremely disruptive uh, um, to this team trying to find any sense of you know continuity, continuity, and, and uh, you I mean, know, if anything he, resembling a team. You know, if he played, I will say, if he played. You made this point weeks ago. Uh, if he played whatever that would be, uh, 39 games, 38 games, thirty-nine. that would be more than either Kevin Durant or um, or uh, James Harden played last year. Yeah, and, no, and, right. And it's also so, assuming that he would be healthy for those all the all right. the road games, which right. obviously would not be the case. It's yeah. just a it's just a horrible outcome. And then it would of course mean the whole season each week we could start with a 33 minute segment <laughs> discussing why we are or are not frustrated with the saint and martyr that is Kyrie Irving um, and his quote unquote followers, his or God's followers. Yes. Yes. So, okay. Just quickly. I I do think that all of the, the vaccine hesitancy, vaccine, anti-vax stuff amongst players is an, um, amongst some players, as, as you said, William, it's, it's at least 95%, um, of the players are vaccinated, um, probably higher than that. Um, but there's lots of players who at least according to Matt Sullivan are, um, were very wary of it and, and, you know, just did it to, to, so that they could continue to play. Um, but, um, but that is juxtaposed against the, the media class, which is like the, the most facts vaccinated, you know, the super vaxxers, like they, like, at these press conferences, I'm sure they're like, like freebasing Moderna. Like they're like, you they're, know, they're, cannot... fir- they're first in line for the booster. Yes, exactly. They're like, oh God, Moderna's four percent better at preventing hospitalization. Just you know, cook it into me. No, um, I, I and, and I guess I I probably sound a bit like that on this this episode. <laughs> I am not. You know, I I I, I think that everyone should get the vaccination i think that right will, I, I agree that will greatly help to stop what at least for me has been a absolutely miserable um experience of living under a pandemic and uh, uh but but yes i i agree with you that that uh, a lot of the the noise is amplified by an incredibly um anxious class of of reporters yeah, no, it's it's because like it it is like 
like your net incomes of the world who would have never said anything negative about a current player is like openly vitriolic towards Kyrie. Like this is like the, they, the, the media class has less, has more disdain for someone who doesn't get vaccinated than like somebody who is like a mass murderer. I think they would rat. Like, I think Bob would be like, you know, let's get him in here. Let's get, let's get a, a uh, admitted serial killer on this team. Um, before, before Kyrie. Um, so, okay. Um, well, I just think, I just think that's interesting, but, uh, all right. What do you say to this, Simon? We do a quick ad read ski. Oh, sure. And then, uh, then we come back and hit some rapid fire cues and the other agenda items. Sure. Okay. So do you have it up? Uh, no. <laughs> well, can but, I tell you something? Yeah, I would love, I'll, I would love I'll tell you, to. and, and you react when something just kind of, <laughs> kind of pops off for you, okay? Okay. Because just, just to begin things, Simon, I'd like to let you know that hockey's back. Oh, it is. And, Jesus. <laughs> and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. <laughs> Debatable. Yeah, what about figure skating? Exactly. I personally prefer figure skating. I prefer um, the the luge. <laughs> uh, is that what Cool Runnings does? Yes. Yes. Luge, I love the luge. I'm a huge luge fan, particularly uh, of Team Jamaica. <laughs> but that, unfortunately, I don't think DraftKings Sportsbook offers you a luge betting option. But they yeah. may. They may. Right. Uh, new customers, Simon, can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a def- deflection. <laughs> However they light the lamp, you win. Oh, I like that saying. Light the lamp. I, I do too. William, I have it pulled up if at any point you want me to come in, but but feel free to... Well, I'm just curious. In hockey, there's never a... Z- <laughs> <laughs> in, in, sorry, in the greatest sport on ice, there's yes. never an instance when the team doesn't score, right? Do games end at 0-0? Zero, zero? In 0-0, zero, zero, I think they might, yeah. You're I think telling they do me one- there's a game where they don't light the lamp? I believe that there are scenarios where they don't light the lamp. I could be totally wrong about that, but I believe that they do three periods and then one period of, like, sudden death. Right. And if nothing happens, they just call it a tie. Just like, come on, people were here for a lighting of the lamp, and you didn't give it to them. (laughs) Uh, Well, I was going to say this sounds like a sure thing to our listeners, but I'm no longer so sure of that, Simon. Would (laughs) Would you hammer the three bullets for us before I do a sincere call to action absolutely if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet DraftKings won't leave you empty handed everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit well read Simon and now (laughs) For those lamp lighting nuts out there, <laughs> I got a call to action for you. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 in any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. A lot of nets talk in there. Um, must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana. Oh, they don't have it. I think it's uh, 1-900-WITH-IT or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. call 1-800-GAMBLER if you've got a problem with uh, <laughs> putting too many dollar bills on that. <laughs> if, if, if you... <laughs> That lamp lighting. That lamp lighting. Hey, got a lamp lighter. If if you're allergic to winning, call one eight hundred idiot. Just just kidding. Gambling is a serious problem. It's a uh, problem, and and we have a solution for you. That's right. One eight hundred gambler. Um, All right, we're back. We're back. We're back, folks. We're back. Yeah. Um, okay. So you want to get to your cues? Yeah, I got four quickies for you. Uh, so Simon, uh, our listeners may know this. Maybe they don't. Who knows? Maybe it's a first-time listener. Hey, first-time listener. <laughs> We're recording this for you, buddy. Um, all right. We don't often talk about our personal feelings on this podcast or outside of it. So I wanted to ask you about some of your Nets-based feelings. Okay. 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 First one. How do you feel about Cam Thomas as he continues <laughs> to impress in the preseason? <laughs> Ten shots in eight minutes last night, folks. That is <laughs> the guy likes a shot. <laughs> um, I I love him. I feel I feel really good. He 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 fills me with you know the uh, hope and excitement. Great. Yes, I feel those ways, too. Um, steal of the draft. Lock it in. Uh, <laughs> this question is a bit of arm armchair psychology time. Oh, God. Okay. How do you feel Steve Nash feels about Kyrie Irving? Oh, God. I, I think he probably hates him. I agree. I, I, I mean, Steve Nash was, and, you know, a lot of this is the fact that he's, or some of it at least, is the fact that he's white, is the fact that he was a media darling, to be sure. But I don't know that you've ever, you have ever heard any, even a murmuring from any of his former teammates or coaches. Like, the guy is just really easy to get along with. And to have somebody who is so toxic, like, I feel like Kyrie to me, I know we're back on Kyrie again, but... (laughs) It's my but fault. It's my fault. Don't you get don't you get the sense, William, that like we have a friend who will go nameless on this podcast, but a former friend who just became so toxic that like even an innocuous text or something from that person would just send you like just like instantly like fill your body with like sort of like the fight or flight response. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and I just get that he's so toxic. It it is just. Yeah. It, it even brings down good times Steve Nash. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I agree completely. All right, next question. We recently looked into Nets tickets, and they are cha-cha-cha-cheap. Do you feel like that suggests that maybe concessions will be cheaper this season? No. <laughs> because we have, even even in those days, even in the days of like $5 Nets Hawks Hawk tickets, they it was insanely expensive. Yeah. But like that is how they're 
committed to soaking people. All right. Uh, depressing. I just wanted I wanted just one brief moment of complete, <laughs> complete, um, you know, naivete to believe yeah. that maybe Sorry. somehow this uh, they had changed their their evil ways. Final question. How do you feel about Nick Claxton's playing time thus far in the preseason? Very, very nervous. And thank you for the question, William. Very nervous. Uh, our, our friend of the show, um, uh, Steve Lichtenstein, has a great column out today where I got the title for, the, for my uh, proposed segment with her, Nick Claxton. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, was, he played with the um, Rookies and G League squad um, last night. Uh, in in what Steve recognizes, and I agree, was a pretty much what the rotations will probably look like, at least when Kyrie Irving isn't playing. It yeah. was like a t- it looks ahead. like Dembry is getting more minutes than him. Yes, exactly. Which is yeah, it's not good. I mean, we 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 both both William and I love Nick Claxton. He has not had a good in his first preseason game. He did not have a good. I mean, you know, it's preseason. He fouled out with like very few minutes played got like two or three fouls on screens. He apparently is not good at screen setting. Um, I don't know if you saw this way and this also concerned me. He was touting that he was up to 225 pounds. Oh, that is such a bad increase. Yeah. He's a, he's a thin man. (laughs) That, that is 35 pounds less than Paul Millsap, who is six foot seven. Um, Anyway, so I am genuinely concerned about the guy. I do still think, like what I said before is true, Blake will be hurt and resting, uh, heart condition, Aldridge will be hurt and resting, Paul Millsap is already out for health and safety protocols, like, there will be time for him, but I'm worried about how Steve Nash views him and how he... You know, I don't know. I'm worried he, if not taking a step back, isn't having the Jared Allen trajectory. Yeah, I'm. I'm, This preseason was the time when he was going to come in, and all it would be like, "Wow, Cam Thomas and Nick Claxton are electric together. They have real chemistry together." You know, something like that. That's what you want to hear coming out of this. You do not want to hear him coming off the bench with David Duke Jr. and the Kessler Edwards. Kessler Edwards. I think he got fewer minutes than Kessler Edwards in both games. Honestly. <laughs> you got to take a good long look at Kessler. Yeah, for sure, for sure. America's least interesting basketball player. <laughs> now, Simon, you said you were reading Steve Lichtenstein. Is he on Substack right now? That's right, William. Great segue. <laughs> uh, how many Substacks are you subscribed to now? Um, I'm gonna count it three. Um, I think it's. Four. Okay. I think it's four. Four? That's not too many. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, uh, th- you know, it's not too many, but uh, it just seems. So we've got Steve Lichtenstein on there. A big one in, in sports world was Ethan Sherwood Strauss recently made the jump from The Athletic over to Substack. Um, and 
perhaps this is a, a very niche problem, but I'm finding that more and more writers that I follow uh, on politics and now increasingly in sports are moving <laughs> over to Substack. <laughs> mm-hmm. And while I think it's wonderful to, you know, uh, be your own boss and to uh, <laughs> respond directly to the comments of your readers who are supporting you and paying your salary and things like that. I just feel like it's an unsustainable model if everyone defects from whatever large news, you know, from in sports world. If everyone, def- if like Zach Lowe and uh, Kevin O'Connor and Zach Harper and Wozni Lambre and all these guys moved on to. Substack, right? And all of a sudden yeah. you're paying $5 a month to all of these various places. It's starting to proliferate in a way where it's like the early the people who got on early may may make a ton of money right away. But yes. if in if in a couple years at the rate that it's going at, everyone has transitioned over to this platform. One, it's going to be very hard to keep track of how many people are on there. And then two, it's going to become wildly expensive and you're going to have to make some tough decisions of who gets supported. And I just feel like that's going to cut into the potential charm of this Substack thing. Yeah. For I the mean, writers themselves, you know, like, like if I see like right away, if people are like, oh, it's fine. You know, Matt Taibbi's there now. I can give him five bucks because I'm still getting all my other news from either things I'm already subscribed to or for free. Right. Uh, and then as as the number of those types start moving over, there's going to be a limited number that p- p- human beings can financially support. I feel for sure. For for sure. And 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 many of them do still write for um, major public... Like, Mark Stein is still with The Times, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, but he also has a sub-stack. Um, so, yeah, no, I, it, 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 it's, it's, it's become very... It's, it's very much... I, I think it sort of mirrors the, um, the streaming TV situation now, where, like, it was just like, okay, Netflix is, like, $10... And that's what you have, and you're no longer spending a hundred dollars on cable. Terrific! But now it's like you, HBO and Hulu, Hulu and Stars, Amazon, Peacock, Amazon. Right. Yeah, no, it's 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 crazy. There's just so many different streams. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think both both of those things are unsustainable. Um, and uh, Steve Steve Lichtenstein, by the way, folks, if you're if you're worried about subscribing to Steve Lichtenstein's because of your money, don't. It's completely free, um, so please subscribe. There's zero. Um, I need negative to subscribe. That can to happen. That. I will subscribe after <laughs> after we talk because Steve is a friend of the show. Yeah, I I think he's you know we we both think he's he's the bee's knees. Yes, that's that's in, true. In, in expression that I just cringed <laughs> at having said out loud. <laughs> when when do you think peak time bees to knees? say bees knees was fifties fifties I think you were getting a malt right which with your, you would describe as the bees knees right with your best girl yeah you were wearing yes. your Letterman's jacket <laughs> I mean shit Albuquerque High was full of those letter jackets oh yeah uh, Kelly green and white leather <laughs> um. 
Yeah. So, but no, I I agree with you. Some something's gonna have to give. Right. I mean, but we, when we're talking about like the the proliferation of streams of of like video content, right? We're still yeah. talking about mass aggregators. Imagine if like Succession and White Lotus and like all of right. these individual right. programs right. were like, no, we actually have our own channel now. Right. And it's five dollars a month, and you know you can you can uh, email us. Right. No, that would be a nightmare. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's just it's just it's dawning on me as like as as I've, I've sort of adjusted to many of the political writers I like go- going on to it, and now that like sports writers are doing it too, it's I'm getting a little annoyed with the old <laughs> Substack. Just. Let me have it for free or in a, like, you know, a, a bundled up with a whole bunch of other writers that I can pay a monthly thing for. Right, right. Uh, okay, that's enough on, on Substack because we have, <laughs> folks, one of the all-time great Maybe Next Time segments. It's pretty loosey-goosey here what we're doing at the 52-minute mark. But as I mentioned earlier, the... Guiding lights of this segment are two Hollywood not darlings. I'd say Hollywood D-listers, maybe. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Correct. Matthew Lillard and Dak Shepard. Yes. Do you have a clear or coherent idea of what we're doing exactly in this segment? Because I have a lot written down, but <laughs> oh, I wouldn't. God. I wouldn't say that I have a clear idea of how this exactly relates to being nets other than i you know i tried to at the end relate them in some way to the nets sure so what i did um william is i have uh some characters that they played yeah and a movie that Uh one of them directed and i'm going to compare those to nets i'm going to mash them with nets okay and i i did something kind of similar i basically said i have a lot more for matthew lillard it turns out i like matthew lillard a lot more than dak shepherd i think think dak shepherd is you know i just don't really uh, ultimately i love to say the name yeah i I love to know who dak shepherd is but i don't really like (laughs) dak shepherd that much so i have less to say about him but for lillard i have like favorite roles i have some a couple trivia questions for you because a few things blew my mind um and then i try to relate it to the nets at the end i think though that all of this we could say generated from our fascination slash obsession with the film without a paddle uh-huh yeah, uh, yeah which yeah. was basically they took deliverance the film deliverance and instead of a cutting dramatic look at psychosocial class relations it <laughs> instead decided to turn deliverance into a bro comedy fueled almost entirely by homophobic humor <laughs> so if you're like ah, deliverance feels a little too real to me I'd like something where one guy says the other guy's gay because they're really cold and have to sleep by one another. Yeah. Uh, then you're going to be a fan of Without a Paddle, just like Correctamundo. Correctamundo. <laughs> Big time fans. And that film happens to co-star Dax and Matthew Lillard and either Seth Green or... Jamie yeah, Seth Kennedy? Green. Seth Green. Seth, Seth Green. Green. Okay. And I just want to be clear, folks, just uh, – I've said some alt-right things already here. Uh, I do not condone the the um, 
homophobic content of... of uh, no, it is a <laughs> disgusting indictment of a very different time that they could just... That, like, so much of the, the, the humor and so many of the jokes could literally just basically be, hey, straight guy, that's kind of gay. <laughs> it Which, was of a, of a time right, period but where that, that was, was just basically like a, two-thirds of comedy. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was just what jokes were in, the, in yeah. a large part of the 90s. <laughs> that's what straight dude jokes were. Yeah, that's right. Uh, heady times, heady times. Yeah. So I guess let's start with the dud of the group, Dax Shepard. Okay, sure. Uh, my favorite roles of Dax when I went through his filmography, couldn't come up with one. <laughs> uh, we recently watched Buddy Games, and I was like, oh, right, he was in Buddy Games. I don't I didn't remember that. Yeah, and then I went back and I was like, oh, but what did he do in Buddy Games? And then I yeah. read the plot summary, and I was like, did we actually watch Buddy Games? Because none <laughs> of this is ringing a bell. He was like the actor, the sort of fledgling actor of the group. But I don't remember yeah. him doing anything funny. Uh, he was in Employee of the Month, but yes. that was really a Dane Cook thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He was in Idiocracy, a movie that I think is wildly overrated. It's really not funny, and it's definitely not one of Mike <laughs> Judge's better, better works. Yeah, yeah, but for sure, for sure. People like it, and he was in it, but... I'm not going to sit here and tell you I loved Idiocracy or or Dax in Idiocracy. Totally so, fair. Yeah, I, that's where I came down with my favorite Dax roles. None. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. But I don't relate them to the Nets. Uh, maybe, do you want me to do that now or... or... Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So my two relations of Dax and the Nets. One, Dax is kind of a cool name. Yes, it is. It's that's edgy. That's right. Um... And so I tried to think of the coolest name on the Nets. And for me, that's uh, Dayron Sharp. Okay. And it kind okay. of Dax Dayron. There's a D-A that begin it, you know, begins it. It's uh, similar. Okay. That's uh, my first connection of Dax Shepard to the Nets. My second <laughs> one, Simon. Dax Shepard is weirdly buff. Yes, he is. He's very strong. He kind so of, is Lillard. Yeah, he, but Dax sort of presents, at least earlier on, as, as sort of an oddball, skinny guy. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's now just super, super ripped. And to me, this reminded me of Joe Harris. Not that Joe Harris is ripped, because uh-huh. he isn't. But Joe Harris, uh, as we've noted, as many people have noted, looks like he could just be a guy in Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. He could be uh, It's like a guy you run into at a coffee shop in Clinton Hill. Uh, but he's actually a great athlete. Kind of like Dax, you thought maybe he's just a, a tall, skinny guy, but he's buff. Those <laughs> are my two Dax Shepard related to the Nets comments. Simon, I hand Dax Shepard over to you. I hope you have kinder things to say about him than I do. Yes. So I thank you, William. Absolutely no uh, problem. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, first, I have a question. Did we see Chips? Yes. The cop movie? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So I have no memory of that, but I know we – except except that I was like – I 
we watched it. I think but you're I, right. Now that now that you're talking about it, that might be my favorite Dak Shepard movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. It also has um I think it has uh what's her name? His wife? Oh, uh, oh God. much more what? famous. Yes. Lizzie what McGuire. Uh, no, but different. not Lizzie McGuire, yeah. Married to Dak Shepard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kristen, Kristen Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was asking Hillary. Sorry, yeah. That's okay. Kristen Bell. I was just uh, spouting more incorrect things. <laughs> okay, so, so... Veronica Mars. Uh, that's who I was thinking. Veronica Mars. Yeah, that's... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, for me, Dax Shepard's shining role, and I mean shining, William, was yeah. in Employee of the Month. Yes, you're correct. That is a Dane Cook vehicle. There's no doubt about it. And the second person you think about in that movie, if you've ever heard of it, You haven't. Is, you haven't. Is, Unless you lived in Albuquerque and were addicted to the dollar theater in the early 2000s. That's and, right. And yeah. Trace Combs was a blurry red dot in one scene. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that really launched his career. Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, we're not all Dak Shepard. So, uh, so okay. It's the second person you think of in that movie is Jessica Simpson. Yeah. Okay, but third, yeah. third on the list of people in that movie is without a doubt Dak Shepard. Not the without a doubt. Not without a doubt. But yeah, he's up there. <laughs> right. I would it imagine if Dane guy. Cook had like a, a a parent in that movie, it might have been played <laughs> by like a, a Kathleen Bates or something. You know, like a respected but older actor who was yeah, would just yeah. take any role they could get. Uh, well, listen for me. The third best <laughs> person in that movie is Dax Shepard. Okay. Okay. At, le- at least give me that and. One of the best lines ever delivered by Dak Shepard or any actor, William, was, This is an 89 Honda! How dare you! <laughs> um, so, for that... How dare you! How dare you! And to me, when he's doing that, he kind of sounds a bit like how I think Blake Griffin would sound if he were being comically angry. So to me, Dak Shepard is Blake Griffin in that, but not in his, his character is not like that because Dak Shepard's character in that is quite evil and pathetic and sad. And I like Blake Griffin. Um, so, but, uh, in, in that one line to me, he screams Dak Shepard. Uh, perfect. That's a really good one, Simon. Thank you. Um, do you want me to go again? Do you have more Dak Shepard? Uh, you know, I don't. I was going to try to come up with something for Chips, but I don't really. I just don't remember that movie. I don't remember it well enough other than that it's my favorite Dak Shepard movie. <laughs> <laughs> who, who played the parent? There's certainly parents in Employee of the Month, right? Because he was probably a sad... Yeah, I think he lived with his mom. Yeah. Dane Cook lived with his mom. 2006. So we were seniors in high school. Uh, in college. I was a senior in college. Yeah, I was a junior. You were a junior. Uh, Tim Bagley was in it. That does that means nothing to me. Yeah. It had the guy from um, from Napoleon Dynamite oh, who was Andy the, Dick was in it. Really, I do not. Oh yeah, remember. the guy from Napoleon Dynamite was in it. Yeah, Efrain Ramirez. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> had Harlan Williams. Oh yeah, he w- God Harlan Williams is underrated. I don't care who oh, knows it. Wow, hot take. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> 
He's in half baked too, isn't he? Yes, that's basically. He's <laughs> like does something with a horse in that. Yeah, he gets like a funny voice. Yeah, that's his entire <laughs> shtick. God, it's good to talk to somebody about Harlan Williams. I completely agree. Fifty-eight-year-old <laughs> Harlan Williams. Oh my God, we are so old. Ooh, that is bleak. <laughs> Fifty-eight. That guy could die tomorrow, and it would surprise no one. No, absolutely not. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was always. He's a very Dak. Dak Shepherdy. He was always a, a second or, or, or tertiary character. In, in yeah, except in Chips. Except in <laughs> Chips, yes. All right, let's move on to the, the, the better of these two, our dear friend Matthew Lillard. Okay, great. So I've got, I've got my favorite Lillard roles. I've got my favorite Lillard moment. And then I have his relationship to the Nets. Okay. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> oh, sorry. First of all, get comfortable. Second of all, where do you want me to start? Start, start wherever you want. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, do do my taxes. Here. Right. No, uh, no. I'll start, start with you. I'll start with the, my favorite Lillard moment. How about? Because it involves right. you. Fantastic. Oh, wonderful. My favorite Matthew Lillard moment, Simon and listeners, uh, is when we went to the rooftop screening of yeah. Matthew Lillard's directorial debut. Fat kids rule the world. Yes. Um, I remember thinking the movie was pretty terrible. Yeah. yeah. But through the lens of nostalgia, uh, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. We went to Soho. I think it was on a school in a school that was like five stories up. We walked to the rooftop. We had drinks in our pockets. Yeah, uh, we had been drinking beforehand. Matthew Lillard got up, introduced himself, made some self-deprecating comments about Scooby-Doo or something like that, you know, because he was actually a serious director and this was a great movie and it was like his passion project and blah, 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 blah. Um, I've got two, two things to say about this. Oh, uh, other than this, I really would love to know, and I have no memory of what we what happened here but i would love to know what we did after the movie yeah i don't know uh (laughs) because i'm sure we went out and did something because we were drinking pretty heavily during that movie (laughs) um so fun fact i think that it was his directorial debut and coda i do not believe he ever ever directed another Actually, I, I don't believe that. I know that for a fact. He has not directed another film. Got it, got it. Uh, but I do have a trivia question for you, Simon. What year do you think this ex- this extraordinary film slash experience on top of a roof in Soho happened? I actually know it because it, it is one of my things, too. So it's 2012, 2012, correct? yes. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Wow. What a, what a time. Nine years ago. I know. It's actually more recent than I would have thought. Okay. But uh but we're very very different time in our <laughs> lives. All right, my favorite Lillard roles, Simon. The sh- the shitty MTV reality guy and she's all that. Okay, yes, yes. Uh the scary guy in Scream. Yep. Uh I did not like him as Shaggy in Scooby-Doo. But <laughs> I will say looking through his f- filmography, he has made a ton of Scooby-Doo movies. Did you know this? 
Uh, I know that he's in. I didn't know there were more than one. Yeah. So he. So there was the live action one. Yes. And then there have been a slew of spinoff uh, cartoon ones, which I imagine are cheaper to make, where he voices it. Okay. And these are films. These are part of his filmography. These are not episodes. Hmm. So my trivia question for you, re Scooby Doo. Yes. How many Scooby-Doo films has Lillard either starred in or voiced? Uh, four. If I told you that it was more than that, I and gave you a second <laughs> guess. Try again. Okay, six. <laughs> Twenty-five. Wow. 25. And they <laughs> I are did not they know are that. absolutely hilarious. They get they get into some serious like crossover stuff. Uh they do like let's see a couple good ones. Scooby Doo WrestleMania Mystery. <laughs> Scooby Doo Franken Creepy. Scooby-Doo and Kiss, Rock and Roll Mystery, Lego Scooby-Doo, Haunted Hollywood, Scooby-Doo and WWE, Curse of the Speed Demon. Wow. These are all from another Lego one, Blowout Beach Bash. Okay. Uh, Anyway, the (laughs) Scooby-Doo, the Sword and the Scoob. Straight Ooh. out of nowhere, Scooby-Doo meets Courage, the Cowardly Dog. Oh, my God. The list goes on and on. Um, 25 Scooby-Doo movies he has been in, Simon. <laughs> Which all leads me to this. I found a movie for us to watch. Okay, great. It's a 2021 great. film release called He's All That. Ooh. In which Lillard plays the principal of the high school in oh, the fantastic. reboot of She's All oh That. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's All That. I mean, sorry. She's All That. We haven't seen He's All That yet. She's All That. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah. I mean, that is in the, the canon of, of teen comedies, for sure. 90s teen comedies. It's top five, hands down. Yeah. It's got the... The classic, ex- obviously gorgeous person made, quote-unquote, hideously ugly by wearing glasses. Glasses, yeah. Yes. And then it's revealed when her glasses come off, <laughs> hey, she's gorgeous. And she and she she's an artist, so she has, like, kind of paint on her Yeah, she sometimes. has a f- few artfully <laughs> drizzled <laughs> drops of paint on her jeans. Yeah, and her dad's an alcoholic, I think. No, no, no. No, her that's just the other one. Her dad's right. very sad. Right, he's sad. That's uh, what it is. Because yeah. they, they lost, he lost his wife and her mother. And right. And he's not dealing with that well. But right. he's a good dad. He's supportive. Yeah, he's a good guy. Played by Kevin Pollack. Talk oh. about a guy I love, Kevin Pollack. <laughs> Well, we'll have we to should do, do yeah. We should definitely do a full episode of maybe next time about Kevin Pollock. Yeah. So, William, I have to ask. Yeah. How does this relate to the how Nets? does this relate to the Nets? This is this is a stretch. Um, I did a Google search for Lillard in basketball, uh-huh. and it brought up one Getty image that suggests but does not confirm that Lillard may have once played in a Clippers-sponsored celebrity basketball game. Uh, But I could get no further details about that. 
And that, Simon, is my relation <laughs> of Matthew Lillard to the Brooklyn Nets. Beautifully done. <laughs> William, beautifully done. So let me do I, – I have a couple I'm, of ones I'm sorry here. to interrupt you, Simon. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've got one more thing I've got to ask you. So you're a Scooby-Doo nut, right? Incorrect. I always hated the cartoon. I <laughs> never saw the movies. <laughs> okay, so as a nut of Scooby Doo, uh-huh. do you? So he played Shaggy. We all know he played uh, of Shaggy. Of course he did. Yeah. Do you know what Shaggy's last name is? No, I don't. Uh, Rogers. Oh, okay. Okay, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I cede the microphone to you. <laughs> Okay, folks, I'm going to run through this quick. This is going to be like uh, the end of the ad reads here. Um, Okay, (laughs) number one, uh, Lillard's character in She's All That I think is like Kyrie in that he is a big deal to the high school kid, the high school girl who's like the mean girl or whatever, um, who dumps Freddie Freddie Prinze. Um, but outside of that, like outside of that little high school world, he is like, just like a joke, which is exactly what Kyrie would be were he not incredibly good at basketball. No one would give a shit. You'd just be like, you know, that toxic guy, uh, like that that no one has to take seriously or kowtow to. Um, uh, okay. Number two, Shaggy is Kevin Durant. They kind of look similar. They both like pot. Okay. Okay. Tall, skinny. Yeah. Tall, skinny. Exactly. Thank you. Okay. And my last one, William. Yeah. Fat kid rules the world Uh is Kessler Edwards. Here's why. (laughs) (laughs) Is he in that? I forget. Does Lillard plays a role? No, he's not in it. He's not in it. Okay. No. Um, Here's why, as we've said about Kid Who Rules the World, if not on this podcast, certainly prior. Yeah. Oh, he is a guidance counselor in it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Great. Um, you, if it is your passion project, if it is not going to be a Hollywood smash hit, and if major studios are not lining up to give you money for this, and you are instead probably financing quite a bit of it or fundraising independently, right? You can do any. The the whole reason you would put up with that shit is so that you could do. Anything. Right. Anything. You could make any movie you want. You have millions of dollars. You can do a small art house movie where anything happens. And instead, it is an incredibly trite coming-of-age story about a fat kid. Right. Based on a book. Oh, really? I yes. didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I. It just is such a, a throwaway of the opportunity to do something somewhat interesting. Which is kind of – this is harsher than I feel about Kessler Edwards, but I just – the Kessler Edwards with the 44th pick to me is like why not get a little wilder because the guy is not good now. I mean maybe he will be, but like he's not playable now (laughs) in the NBA. He like any chance of – any way that you run him off the line instantly makes him – like you've just solved Kessler Edwards. Um, So – so why not go with the you know like the the Reggie Perry thing was right. interesting or yeah right? pick a guy uh, pick a guy in Argentina who's just going to come here for right. uh, for ankle doctors or something <laughs> exactly somebody whose injury history is already a mile long at age nineteen and it's only going to get 
longer. Right. So if you're using, if you're self-financing for your passion project, it should be, it should be along the lines of a Crispin Glover or an right. Orson Welles who are try who make something that could conceivably be construed as art. Right. Um, not a remake of a crappy book about <laughs> a, as you put it, a trite coming of age story. All right. That's a little harsh on Kessler, but I, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, it was the best. Yes, I, I hope for the best with Kessler. I think he could be. I know nothing about him, basically. So that's another key point. Oh, it looks um, like it looks like he was in the new Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Well, that is Mortal. just one more reason why we got to see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, he must be getting paid so much from the Scooby-Doo franchise. <laughs> Yeah, he's probably like still obscenely wealthy. Even even after the he, Fat Kids Rule the World got an eighty five on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh my God! What movie are they watching? I I suspect that it's like you know he spent as much on the uh, on the production of that film as he did buying like um, <laughs> like bots in uh-huh. in faraway places to. Pump up that rating. Yeah. Something's going on there. Um, well, I can't wait to watch He's All That with you. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. He's All That. Yeah, what did I say? She's All That, I think. Whatever. He's All Maybe it's he's all. It's He's All That. Okay, all I'm that. looking up Matthew Lillard's net worth. Now, these are comp- notoriously <laughs> inaccurate. <laughs> Believe it or not, folks, you can't necessarily trust CelebrityNetWorth.com. Yeah. I do, but you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Uh, Matthew Lillard, 51 years old, born in 1970. Um, Would you like to guess what his net worth on Celebrity Net Worth is? (laughs) Uh, $35 million. Uh, $2 million. $2 million? (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Disappointing, disappointing. But take some comfort in knowing that this bears no relation to his actual net worth. <laughs> Two million. <laughs> Would you like to guess what his middle name was? <laughs> um, <laughs> Timothy. Lynn, L-Y-N. Also, L-Y-N. he's from Michigan, and I believe Dax Shepard is also from Michigan. Huh, Dax to me seems like Orange County, but let's see. No, Shepherd, I mean place of birth. I'm pretty sure I was reading about it earlier. Yeah, you're right. Milford, yeah. uh, Milford Charter Township, Milford Charter Township, Michigan. Wow. His children. Oh, Delta is one of his children. Yeah, they. I mean, they're a celebrity power couple, William. Do you think they got some frequent flyer miles for that one? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a joke worthy of employee of the month. <laughs> honestly, uh, this Dane, is an eighty nine on Dane Cook. Feel free to steal that, Jim. Yeah, exactly. You worthless pile of crap. <laughs> he had such a fall from grace. I know we're very over time, but what an incredible fall from grace that guy had. Yeah, high highs, low lows with our man Dane Cook. I was always skeptical of the guy. Yeah, but, you were never on the train. No. I mean, I could see why you'd want to get on the train, but I'm glad <laughs> that the train was, was derailed. <laughs> yeah, me and Trace Combs and my friend Nick from college were big Dane guys. Yeah. <laughs> Nick. 
Miss you, Nick. Yeah, I do. Uh, okay. Well, Simon, this has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess what next? Okay. So next week will not be, it'll be the week of our fantasy draft. Ooh. So maybe next week we should do some, uh, fantasy stuff in the pod. Sure. So we'll talk Nets fantasy value for fantasy NBA fantasy junkies like us out there. And um, maybe make some predictions on the season. I've got I've already got a couple going. Uh, I'll, I'll why don't I tease them for you right here? I yeah, know, tease me. I know our listeners would be interested. So a couple of the categories for for predictions we'll make next week. One of them will be how many games will Kyrie play? Sorry to bring Kyrie up again. Another is going to be who will get the DeAndre Jordan slash Quincy AC award, meaning who is going to be the player who gets playing time that drives both me and Simon completely bonkers, <laughs> me slightly more so than Simon. Yeah. Yeah, basically the the uh, DeAndre Jordan. Oh, really quickly, folks, Nets fans, you gotta love how quickly the Lakers Nation is turning on is no, turning yeah. on DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> it's incredible. From tweets of like, "Oh my God, they used him so wrong in Brooklyn. What a bunch of idiots. This guy is great. What an all timer." And he just like, yeah, he just had a ball passed between his legs because he's an old. Fat, pathetic piece of shit. <laughs> okay. Right. No, he's not. He's no, not. he's not. No, he's. Uh, but as as a band McMahon on Brian Winhurst's uh, podcast has said for basically the last three years, which sort of tipped me <laughs> off to him being terrible because he had to watch him when he was in Dallas. Yeah. Um, he said, "You just got to accept DeAndre for who he is at this point in his career, which is one of the the best bench cheerleaders in the league." Like if you want anything other than him being a good time guy on that bench, then you're going to have your heart broken by DeAndre Jordan. But if you accept that like other players like him a lot and he can be enthusiastic on the bench, then it's fine. Yeah, right. That's right. Uh, But uh, yeah, it is nice to see Lakers fans have their uh, hopes completely dashed this soon. (laughs) When hope springs eternal preseason and they're already completely destitute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah alright Simon should we uh, go ahead and yeah see ya next up I was tired of my lady we'd been together too long like a worn out recording of a favorite song so while she lay there sleeping the paper in bed and in the personal columns there was this letter I read if you like